0: Hello, my name is Kevin Kiley, and welcome to Thursday's After Session, a podcast about events in the California State Capitol.
1: So before we jump into things, it might be worth pointing out that, Kevin, you are a little under the weather.
0: Uh, Just a bit, but, uh, you know, the podcast goes on. (laughs) Yeah. So I apologize for any uh, hoarseness.
1: And with that said, uh, yeah, last week we discussed the possibility that a sexually violent predator might be released into Placer County. There was a hearing about that at the Santa Clara Superior Court last Tuesday, and the court ruled in favor of Placer County.
0: That's right, and this was great news for our area. We had so many people, uh, you know, not only community leaders, the district attorney, the sheriff, council members, supervisors... Uh, but also hundreds, if not thousands, of citizens in Lincoln and the rest of Placer County who were rightfully concerned about the threat that this release would pose, uh, especially to minors in our area, and who came together and stepped up to keep our community safe. And uh, so uh, this was a great victory for our area, uh, and it was a victory for the rule of law, because as I discussed last week, I don't think this placement decision by the state agency was lawful. It was certainly arbitrary. Uh, it was placing uh, this offender in an area where he had ready access to, uh, to minors, and so I'm very happy that the Santa Clara judge made the right decision. We actually had uh, several dozen folks from Pasco County who made uh, the trip there for this hearing. But it was the right outcome, and it was uh, very good news for our area.
1: Good news indeed. And in other news this week, on Monday, you joined with legislators to call for an end to the emergency drought restrictions in the state.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, myself and uh, a few other legislators in our region have joined together and asked the governor and the state uh, water board to acknowledge what has become obvious, and that's that the drought is, is over. We have 50 of 58 counties uh, that are actually in a state of emergency because of the risk of flooding. Um, the Sierra Nevada snowpack uh, is at its largest in 22 years, and yet the state water board seems inclined to keep this state of emergency for the drought in place because with it, it came a host of powers for the state board. And an ability to impose the uh, the restrictions, the mandatory restrictions that our area has been grappling with in the in the last
1: uh, years. And maintaining these restrictions has very little effect on the efficiency of water usage in our area, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and that's important to
0: note is that we, our area has been very responsible when it comes to uh, water policy and when it comes to planning. The Placer County Water uh, Agency and other in uh, Roseville and, and other uh, water authorities. In our area, and the state board in imposing these restrictions, you know, from the top down, hasn't really accounted for that. And in any case, uh, water usage is going to continue to become more efficient even without the continuation of these restrictions. Uh, you know, the Sacramento region is required to reduce water use by 20% by 2020. So uh, I uh, think that it's the right move at this time for the state water board to return control to the local level and lift the restrictions. Uh, that were only put in place because of a drought that no longer uh, exists.
1: Also this last week, you've introduced a free speech resolution urging California public universities to adopt the Chicago Statement on Free Expression.
0: Yes, and this is a very timely topic in light of the events at uh, UC Berkeley last week that I'm sure a lot of folks saw where you had some truly horrific scenes protesters resorting to all manner of violence, lighting fires, smashing windows uh, in order to shut down uh, a speaker whose ideas they disagreed with. And as troubling as this episode was in its own right, what's maybe more troubling is that it's sort of a culmination of what I see as a building hostility towards freedom of speech on our college campuses.
1: Yeah, so you filed the resolution on Thursday, day after the events at Berkeley, but you've been concerned about the state of free speech for some time now.
0: Right. I mean, just to name a few examples, you've seen the spread of trigger warnings and safe spaces on many campuses that are designed to shelter students from certain ideas. You have these biased reporting systems now where students are encouraged to report on their classmates or faculty if they hear something that sounds like it reflects biased uh, thinking. You have universities designating what they call free speech zones, which actually is is not a good thing because what they do is they designate a small area on campus as a free speech zone and then say they have the right to censor uh, anywhere else on campus. You have uh, speech codes that many universities now have that actually put into writing kind of what you're not allowed to say. And in fact, uh, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education has found that uh, nine Public universities in California have speech codes that clearly violate First Amendment of the Constitution. So that's sort of the trend that has been going on at our universities, but uh, which, as I said, culminated in the events at Berkeley and similar events at UC Davis. Uh, but there's a more recent trend that's that is uh, that's more encouraging.
1: Yeah, and that's a reaction to these prohibitions on free speech, and it's the decision by I think it's now eighteen. Universities across the country that have adopted something called the Chicago Statement on Free Expression, and that affirms a university's role as a place for free speech.
0: Yes, and uh, just to be clear, this is what my resolution that I've introduced in the State Assembly will do. Is it's calling on California's public universities to adopt this statement on free expression, originally put together and adopted by the University of Chicago, and as you said, it's now been adopted by. Uh, about 18 universities, including Princeton, including the University of Wisconsin's uh, public university system. And Jen, you have a statement there in front of you. You want to give us uh, a little taste of what's in it?
2: I do. So the statement reaffirms the university's commitment to, quote, a completely free and open
0: discussion of ideas. Of particular relevance, the statement describes the university's, quote, solemn responsibility to not only promote a lively and fearless freedom of debate and deliberation, but also to protect that freedom when others attempt to restrict it. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a fundamental reaffirmation of the importance of free speech on college campuses, and uh, is I view uh, I view it as a, a necessary corrective to these trends that we've been seeing that are quite hostile to free speech. And it's not just one side of the aisle that has expressed these concerns. You've actually, although it was at Berkeley, a conservative speaker who was shut down. Uh, you've seen the likes of uh, Janet Napolitano. Uh, and uh, Barack Obama, who had expressed concern about the environment for free speech on college campuses. I think you have some of their remarks in front of you there, Josh.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Janet Napolitano, University of California president, in an uh, editorial last year, kind of warned against this how far we've moved from freedom of speech on campuses to freedom from speech. And in that article, she was quoted saying the way to deal with extreme unfounded speech is not with less speech. It is with more speech, informed by facts and persuasive argument. Educating students from an informed, more speech approach, as opposed to silencing an objectionable speaker, should be one of academia's key roles. Furthermore, in 2016, uh, President Barack Obama gave a speech at Howard University where he stated, There's been a trend around the country of trying to get colleges to disinvite speakers with a different point of view or disrupt a politician's rally. And he encouraged students, quote, don't do that, no matter how ridiculous or offensive you might find the things that come out of their mouths. Uh, Instead, the president in his speech later went on to encourage students to engage on the battlefield of ideas.
0: So I'm really hopeful that the adoption of this uh, resolution by the assembly will reflect a bipartisan consensus because freedom Mm -hmm. of speech is an American principle. It's not a partisan principle. And if there's one place where First Amendment freedoms should flourish... Uh, It should be our universities. I mean, remember that Berkeley, where uh, these dramatic events last week happened, was uh, itself the birthplace of the free speech movement in the 1960s. So, this resolution, I think, gives us an opportunity as Californians to uh, reaffirm our commitment to the principles of free speech and once again take a leading role in the direction of higher education in this country.
1: And as always, we'll keep our listeners updated as this resolution moves through the legislative process.
0: Most certainly. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And until next week, this is Kevin Kiley from Room 4153 at the California State Capitol.